Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And gosh, it is just so fun to be able to catch up with Jamie Donnelly before we even hit record today. We got a chance to visit for a little bit about uh, a number of things in education, and we're going to spend the next half hour or so talking about AR, VR, AR, VR, and EDU, and hopefully the metaverse here by the time we get done. And so uh, I'm geeking out already just at the thought of having this conversation. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Andrew. Yeah, always fun. And uh, Jamie is an immersive technology enthusiast. Uh, and so with that title comes, yeah, a lot of digital spaces where uh, learning can happen and thinking through what that offers for our learners. And so, uh, Jamie, I'll let you speak to a little bit too, I guess. When, you, when we talk about immersive technology and education, how do you sort of frame that as you tell your story to others? Yeah, I mean, I usually start off with VR. They all think, oh, I got to put on a headset. Not necessarily, but you know, that 360 view, everywhere you look, you're going to see a digital component, right? Kind of transporting you to this other place. Whereas AR, on the other hand, is actually using your real world and it's layering objects inside of your space to essentially bring something to you. So VR, you're going out. AR, you're staying there and bringing new things into your space. Yeah, and we got a chance to visit about a year ago, this same time, uh, on these topics. And could you give a little bit of your backstory for people that maybe missed that episode on? How did you get into uh, all of this? Yeah, oh my goodness. I was a classroom teacher. I always loved using technology. I became an instructional technology specialist later and working in districts and really was exposed to an app back in the day that was an augmented reality app that I remember thinking, what am I seeing right now? And it was like the skies opened up, the sun came down, <laughs> glowed on me. And I was like, oh, um, and it was like, you know what? This is unbelievable. We can do this in every subject. Everything that they learn can be done this way. You know, all the, it was just unbelievable. So then I was like, well, what else is out there? And then started searching. And it's like, it's been a roller coaster. I've never stopped being interested because there's always something new available. And then, of course, virtual reality, I've always been passionate that both really do belong together. Now we talk about it as immersive technology, so AR and VR. They both offer very unique experiences, but it was, I think for me, it's always been a passion because it's unlimited. It's unlimited what we can do with learning. It brings us and our students to learning things in a way that were really impossible otherwise. And I think it really is for me, a passion because I see where this is going for our students and making sure that they are equipped with the skill set that they need to be those leaders in education or in technology or whatever industry, X industry that they want to go into. But immersive technology is really touching them all. Well, and I love in your response there that you're talking both about there's always something new today, tomorrow, and in the short term with this. And there's also kind of that long term as well. And I feel like our conversation today, almost uh, as we're getting started here, could be framed that way. We're, we're going to spend some time talking about some of those more immediate short term things that are available to you tomorrow to implement into your classroom. And then hopefully looking at more of that futuristic metaverse and learning in an entirely different digital reality. And excited to, to go there also. And so we typically connect in March. 
because you have yearly this commitment to your 31 days of <laughs> AR, VR, and EDU that happens in March. Uh, and so can you speak a little bit to how that kind of is addressing that short-term piece? Yeah. So in short, I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> I decided that I was going to do this crazy blog thing every March where every day I would write about a new tool that came out or new updates that have happened and just kind of being on a daily basis, getting information out to all the subscribers. But then it has converted to this year where it's a little bit different, where I'm doing videos every day. And then the blog itself is essentially just the steps, right? How to jump into it. But, you know, initially I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. The next year I was like, oh no, I'm still doing this. And then the year after, yep, still doing this. I think next year I'll even do it a little bit different. We'll see. But I feel like the information is always changing and being, you know, little snippets of what's out there. How can I apply this? Or, you know, that's not for me. That's not relatable to what I'm teaching in my classroom or what my students are learning right now. Maybe it's being aware of how that technology is changing, but that's the point as I try to vary the content, I try to vary not just subject, but grade levels and devices and, you know, all across the board, just so people are finding, even if they walk away with one tool for the month, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. You got something new in your tool belt to be able to bring back to your students and hopefully encourage them, excite them, engage with them on a new level using immersive tech. Well, then, of course, I got to ask, what are some of the, I would say, latest and greatest in we could do AR first and then go to VR second, potentially. Uh, And for AR, if you're still needing an example, I'm not sure how many this is kind of dated, I guess. This is only one I have. Maybe you'll have a better one, Jamie. But I think of when that Pokemon Go game was most prominent, where you had on your device, all of a sudden you would be trying to capture this creature that's uh, you can see the space around you Mm -hmm. uh, through the camera lens on your device. But then there's this layered in animated thing uh, that I can interact with. Mm -hmm. And that game rose to such prominence that maybe that's a touch point for people. I know my my kids were really into that for a season. Yeah, I know educators are still into that. I mean, (laughs) they still have like the wristband that notifies them. You're close by. Um, You know, I think that really when you think about Pokemon Go, I'm thankful for it because it did give exposure to this new technology. And it was a proof that there is interest for developers to pursue creating more of this, especially with education. So that proof of concept, I think, really revealed itself. I think on the Google side with the VR, you saw the Google Cardboard really make a splash. Of course, we've seen more headsets. But the technology, you mentioned Pokemon Go, but you at the time had something just kind of floating there. It was just floating there in the sky. Didn't really engage or interact in your space at all, whereas today where ARs went has been so much more to that. It's actually layered in your space so that you can walk around it. You have things like occlusion where you can actually see your hand go in front or behind an object. That was not there when you know augmented reality was first released. It was kind of almost like a filter you added on your phone. It's just floating there in your view but not necessarily relevant for your space. And I think that's where things have changed. It it knows where the floor is. It knows the lighting in the space. It now is able to be in boundaries, if you will. You can play games and engage with this augmented reality that feels much more realistic 
than we used to have. And I think as AR has continued to advance, of course, it's leaning more towards the wearables. So as we start seeing glasses and things of that sort, all of this technology is going somewhere. It's going to a place where information is available immediately. So being able to see through our browsers, this AR capable experiences, instead of just reading text or seeing a video and everything being very two dimensional, now everything becomes alive in the space that you're at. So it's an exciting journey. And as the technology advances, we're going to obviously see a lot more. Many of you have it, the technology already available, even if you may not understand that's augmented reality, but many of us are seeing it in our devices already. Yeah. Can you give me maybe one or two of the AR, I'll just say pieces that you're going to feature over the course of this month? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you kind of an example of AR that you're probably already seeing is filters. So I did use a filter one day where I was talking about virtual reality, like creating music in this VR space, but they had just released some fun glasses. So that was just a few days ago where they got to see that their virtuoso glasses that you're wearing, but it's a filter that's found in Instagram or Facebook in their case. But typically we do see a lot of the filters. Most of the time people don't take pictures without a filter on today. Mm. But you know, you think about what are the benefits of something like that? We're using it for maybe for vain things like beauty or uh, enhancements, but really even being able to make a connection to content, what that means when you're layering augmented reality of the body systems on top of your body, you're actually able to see where those organs are at or those bones are at. Um, 3d is going to be massive this month. I, I, I feel like I've really tried to show the value of designing 3d objects as a foundational skill for our students to move into things like the metaverse or to move into more of these immersive experiences, because like saying, Hey, Andrew, go out and make a video, but go and use somebody else's video content well, what video content's free and where do I get that from? And how do I download that? That's the same thing when we're talking about these immersive spaces that where do you get those 3D objects? You know, if you're not designing it yourself, you're dependent on somebody else that has made it available to you for free. And where do I find that at? And that's kind of all over the place, right? So having our students be equipped with the skill set to actually design and build their own 3D objects and animated experiences, I think, that's going to be a game changer for where we're going in the future. Wow. And I know that some of that work then is also at least accessible in a VR space, which is why these are kind of lumped together in Mm -hmm. terms of being immersive, right? It just is experienced a little bit differently. Uh, So do you want to maybe pivot and speak to VR for a moment as well? And kind of in the same way that we just broke down augmented reality? Sure. I mean, when we're talking about that, the app that I just shared Virtuoso, where you're going to hear the music being played, where you're designing music, and then you can export out your music for different things. So if I want to have a background for the podcast that I'm hosting, and that background music now was built by me instead of me depending on somebody else, or me having to go out and buy all the equipment to make the music of which I need to make for that. We're really unlimited in that way. And the fact that you can do that virtually using your hands, using remotes, whatever it might be for those apps to be able to develop your own content. That's an example. One of the tools I'm going to share, which is not necessarily a creation tool, but an experience tool is notes on blindness. I'll be sharing that later on this month, but that is, I think, an incredible journey to hear from somebody that is deaf and he shares a story of how he hears 
and how he pieces together the story around him. You hear his journey, but then you see kind of pieces and elements, but then you're also just captivated by how scary that must feel and how challenging that must be. And, but how much more you see without your vision, how much more you hear, how much more you feel like all of those pieces that you kind of depend on these other things that we depend on when we do have sight or we are deaf or we are, you know, these different um, situations that various people live in. Right. And then those other senses kind of take over and enhance these experiences. So I think virtual reality has done a really good job at honing that in. I'll give one more example, Andrew, feel free to cut this out if this doesn't work. Relevant. So with LIDAR scanning, I think that technology is phenomenal. When I was talking about creating 3D objects, you can use that LIDAR technology in, in some of our mobile devices today. And you get to literally scan and walk around like you're capturing a video, but instead it's capturing and identifying and creating a mesh, if you will, of an object and it includes the texture, the color. So you're actually getting this 3D object that you built. But LiDAR technology also is able to determine how far away things are. So people that maybe are blind that can use this technology and they have haptic feedback. So if they are deaf, they can actually get a sense of like, watch out, there's caution, there's something, an obstacle that you're approaching, but you can either hear it or you can feel it vibrate like in your hand, if you have your uh, mobile device with you, but essentially you're using your camera as your guide. And it's just, I just think, wow, like this technology is so beyond just funsies. You know, this is really about equipping people with the tools for their lives to enhance their lives and, and to understand the world around them. So those examples to me, I think are important pieces that we need to really keep in mind when this Technology needs to make lives better more than just entertain us. Well, so those two examples give me different thoughts for each of them. So the first one would be to say for the latter of those examples, I think so often we think about this type of technology taking us out of the real world and putting us in a virtual reality. But what you're saying is essentially this is enhancing someone's ability to navigate the physical world uh, because this technology exists. Absolutely love that. And then the first example that you gave really made me think about uh, a conversation that we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, where we were talking with Jim Rickabaugh, and he had referenced some research that he had read recently on virtual reality, uh, and that it helped adult learners uh, in this particular study learn at a rate that was about 70, I think, 75% faster uh, than they were picking up the same concepts from traditional methods. And that so much of that had to do with the experience. Uh, and I, I heard that in that first example that you were pointing to is that there's something to be said for actually not just reading or, or understanding that some people navigate life with some of the challenges that you mentioned, but whenever you actually get immersed in that and can go through that as an experience, it resonates with you in a way that is hard to replicate without that. Is yeah. that fair to say? I guess is re- I should ask that as a question. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I have a personal example. My daughter was using an app called Catchy Words AR because um, she was struggling at the time when this app first came out. It's almost like a hangman type experience where the letters kind of move around your space and then you have to go capture it with your mobile device and then with your mobile device, walk it into a spot of where it would 
fit to make a word. Right. And so she was struggling with being able to memorize spelling words and having dyslexia in her case, it was completely, uh, it was not relatable to me. I had her do everything I did as a learner to know how to remember spelling words. And it just created a lot of frustration and impatience on my side. And then also just same on hers. I think it was just like, this is not working for me. And so I got her into this app. I put in her spelling word and she jumped into it and it took her a little while. She was walking around. She's looking at letters for a long time. And I'm in the background thinking, boy, this was a bad call. I should have never done this. And then at the end, it celebrates with you if you get it right. And I said, okay, okay. Well, so tell me how to spell that word. And then she told me, I was like, oh, okay. An hour later, asked her again. She told me again. And then the next morning on the way to school, when she's getting ready for that spelling test, I asked her again and she, it, it connected. And I said, what just happened? Like, what is going on here? And for her, it, what had really, I mean, there's a lot of different components. Typically I ask people, what do you think happened? And of course the kinesthetic learning aspect of it, getting up and moving and how different that is for our brains. Um, in her case, having dyslexia also, it was, you know, the challenge of seeing these things spatial in her space, right? The spatial learning. And, but, you know, somebody had come up to me and said, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there's research behind to say people that have dyslexia aren't thinking about letters in the two-dimensional sphere like we do. They're actually in their brains, envisioning something from all directions. So when you see them flip-flop things, it's because their brains are seeing it from all those angles. There is no connection to a flat surface that we see. And then I was like, my kid is brilliant. Like I was just like so blown away. I thought that was so great. But then I was like, this makes so much sense. Like we're restraining kids from learning the way that their brains need to learn because we have tied them to this flat surface, two-dimensional 2D experience. And when they get a chance and that's opened up for them, it's like the floodgates open, right? Like they, all of a sudden they start making connections that they've never had before. So I personally got to see AR really hit home for my daughter. And I think that there's so many other kids that can relate to that as well. Jamie, that makes you wonder too, does that AR VR space create a private enough learning environment where being okay with, I would say failing or, or struggling or making mistakes which is a natural part of the learning process, right? I always love that whole first attempt in learning for fail, that that's like the mm-hmm. accurate, right? Uh, does that create an environment within which students don't have to feel self-conscious because they aren't, and here's why I asked that, the example you just gave, it would take your daughter standing up in the classroom with a lot of manipulatives and her peers you know, all noticing that this is a different strategy for her versus being able to really do that in a place where you just see her hanging out on a VR headset. Mm -hmm. I I think that it really depends. It depends on the child. It depends on your classroom, depends on your space. It depends on a lot of factors, right? Um, What's possible for us is going to vary per classroom, per student, per teacher, but really being intentional to find whatever works. And I think that's the key there isn't that it's a tool because that one tool will change and there'll be different tools out there in the future. But the goal is obviously persisting past like wherever my child is or my student is, it might be different than that other child or student, but I need to help support them to make a a very genuine connection to this content 
and I need to give them the ability to go deeper with the content. And if all I've done is taught them a song and a dance, then there's no way I'm preparing them for what they need to take that content and that learning to the next level, which is what I did my first year teaching. I thought I was just the bomb teacher. You know, I taught them all the songs and dances and it was like no depth. And then they went on to the next grade level in math and they were all failing. I'm like, well, that teacher's not very good, are they? Well, come to find out I was the bad teacher. I was the one that did not teach that depth, but that's where this immersive technology really needs to take place is we need to see that it, it not just enhances, not just gets their attention, but it dives deeper into content that would really be difficult for them to go deeper without really grasping the concepts. And, and immersive technology does that for them. Well, I'm fascinated by this and have been for quite some time and always appreciate when we get a chance to chat. And we've not discussed before this idea of the metaverse and getting to a place where uh, it really amplifies, I think, a lot of the things that the AR VR work has done. Can you speak a little bit to what is the metaverse for people that are not? And it's probably been hard to define that, to be quite honest, because I'm not sure it's really taken shape in the way that it might play out eventually. But at this point, how would you describe that to someone? Yeah, I well, I think that there are elements happening in AR, VR that are approaching the metaverse. You know, we talk about essentially an immersive online experience, right? So it's taking the place of the internet, if you will, but it all being immersive. So how we connect, how we collaborate, obviously, that's not where we're at. Uh, We have a lot of companies that are kind of uh, staking a claim as the metaverse, but not necessarily, they're not the metaverse, but they, they have metaverse components moving in this direction as we're approaching this. But I think that certainly you have companies like Facebook who changed their name to meta that have brought this awareness and certainly funding is going in this direction. I think we're pretty far off as far as like everybody universally accepting that they're all going to work together because that's essentially what we do on the internet, right? I mean, we all play in the same space, but when you talk about these different companies, it's all on their platform and it's siloed. And so because of that, when we talk about things like blockchain, you know, essentially our digital identity, even following us, right, wherever we go and those components that cannot work from your program your platform, your online, your install, uh, everybody's doing something a little bit different, but are they all contributing to the greater metaverse in the future? I think so. I think everybody is opening up new avenues and opportunities and really an awareness and an enthusiasm for what the metaverse will be. But I do think that there are critical things in the metaverse that our students need to be prepared to do. And I, some of that includes, you know, really being the content creators. And that starts, I think, foundationally at understanding spatial awareness and spatial learning, and then moving into more of the 3D concept of creating content and understanding how that 3D content is essentially what makes AR, VR, right? So, you know, then designing spaces and experiences and understanding, of course, coding, all of those pieces coming into play and the importance of the metaverse ever being possible. And quite frankly, metaverse is their world. That's their future. We're already seeing components of it. I am ashamed to say how much money I've spent on a metaverse type experience for my daughter. 
I'm not even going to go there, but the amount of money that they spend on their avatars and their stuff, you know, they do so much online and the importance of their world online. And I, I couldn't get it. I remember when Minecraft was like this and they're like, well, I'm going to buy this item. And I'm like, but it's nothing. Like you have nothing. You just bought nothing. And they're like, no, no, no. Like that's my skin. I, I'm going to have my skin now and I'm going to be this character. And this is important to me because this is how much time they're spending in these spaces. Right. So, and then, you know, I think we're starting to see that now. Uh, absolutely. Which is why we see the value of badging. Our students love to collect these things, even if it's not real and it's digital, it's something that they appreciate and they want and they aspire to get. So to see kind of now moving into NFTs and understanding like, what is, what? You're spending millions of dollars on this digital picture that I can steal from you? That concept is so foreign to us, but really you own the digital rights. You know, that's like having the original artwork. Somebody can come over and they can mimic it and they can copy it, but you own the original rights. And so those are things that I think moving into this metaverse space that are going to be important. And we already see our students just absolutely focused and drilled down and, and they are already ready and receptive to this. So as these companies are spending all this money, it makes sense. Um, what does our classrooms look like in the future? I mean, of course, it's going to include elements of the metaverse how much that looks into what our curriculum is and how we connect and how we collaborate. I can tell you one thing, how we connect and collaborate right now has certainly shifted. And I don't think it's just because of COVID. It's been shifting for a long time, but COVID obviously accelerated that. But I do think that we are headed in an approach where those virtual connections are becoming more necessary and expanding to more possibilities. Yeah, and can I... For someone who maybe isn't familiar with this, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I could, I'm not sure that I am going to articulate this well, but I, I wanted to go with this as a potential example because I'm with you. My daughter loves Roblox, uh, yeah. and I know that there are. <laughs> I was going to go there, but I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, well, there it is. Yeah. Uh, and and so let's say someone is not familiar with some of these things. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong in saying it, framing it this way. Like when I grew up, I was playing Mario Brothers, and there was different worlds, and you would take your singular character into this world and explore it really in just sort of a straightforward fashion. So then I got to where we had Nintendo 64 and you could kind of move and go left or go right or go around something. Uh, and then uh, we got to a place where now I can have my little character in a world and Jamie, you could have a character in the same world and we're playing kind of at the same time, maybe in different locations and occupying that space. Uh, and then like you said, then you get to Minecraft where it's like, and things of that ilk where we're building and creating in that particular space. And this is all still kind of a 2D experience, right? It's still mm -hmm. on a screen and I've got a controller or I'm, I'm removed from it, uh, but getting to a place that, uh, eventually where through wearables of some sort, you would actually have that on your face and you would feel, and I've even seen that Facebook is doing research on how to add things like the tactile piece and the smell uh, <laughs> that would go along with this to further enhance it and make it more immersive. Um, to have spaces like that where you could meet and would literally feel like you were in these worlds. And what's interesting to me is to look at Roblox, for example, and uh, I read recently that Nike had paid to create a world in Roblox so that you could go in there and kind of explore. I know that there are like real world theme parks, for example, that have uh, that have been replicated 
in these virtual spaces. And the thought is, is that you get to a point where you could go and navigate all of those, yeah, from the comforts of your own home uh, alongside other people. And here's the part where I also have a question. And would these worlds essentially almost be the way in which, and you mentioned this, that we think of our streaming services now, where I'm going to go to Netflix's collection of worlds that I can only access by going through whatever door they sort of have created for me. And then there would be a Disney one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they'd choose how much that all intertwines. Yeah, they're already there. I mean, I feel yeah. like I, I feel like that's already happening to where you choose your own place that you want to go to how you want to connect with people. I, I think Roblox is a perfect example, really, for what's appealing to our students. It, I didn't get it for a long time, but I think the social aspect is still there. Like they're still socializing. Have they ran into a lot of issues with that social component for kids? Absolutely. Have they tried to do their best to lock that down? Yes. I mean, I feel like we run into social issues in class, you know, with how kids treat each other. So there are some legitimate fears as far as like what direction we're going with this, but the possibilities that are opening for us is hard to ignore. And those things that we can't technically do with our students, we have now a substitute. And yes, you're right. Like some of the ways that they're making it a lot more realistic. I mean, even haptic feedback, you know, having some sort of physical response to whatever you are encountering in these virtual spaces, you know, having something that feels very realistic. I mean, that's fun and that's cool and that's appealing. I don't think that's what's going to keep us there. But I think what has consistently made it appealing is that we have these new opportunities to go to these places, to do these things, to communicate with people that are impossible without the technology. I mean, yes, I can look at pictures. Yes, I can watch YouTube. Um, yes, I can see something on my screen that might resemble something like that. But we are really approaching a time where that's just not enough. We need more. We need this to feel more real. We need it to interact with us more realistically. And those times are here. I mean, those things are starting to become open. Doesn't mean that it's uh, seamless, affordable, desirable, or convenient. I mean, I, I think in all of those instances, there's going to be ways that we're going to apply this technology for different reasons. And I think in education, we certainly need to take this serious. I've been pushing for AR, VR for a long time, but I'm also very, very practical in my approach. If we do not have those direct curriculum ties, we're just teaching technology. We're not using the technology for our learning and that's okay. There is a component for that. I just obviously am, am an advocate for what does this look like for our learners and how can they take the concepts of which they're learning and apply that into basically approach their learning in a way that is using immersive technology. So whether that be the metaverse, whether that be a virtual scene, whether that be an augmented reality creation that we make in all of those ways, they're all going to vary because there's going to be different needs, different resources and different learning pieces that we need to demonstrate. Can I ask then love an education like you do? What is one thing you'd be really excited to see happen when the technology that we can at least wrap our minds around existing in the not too distant future 
what's something that would really enhance learning in the way that you're talking about that you would be very excited to see come to fruition? I am really, I, I think I've been really pumped about Apple releasing their glasses eventually. That has obviously been quite delayed because of what's happened with COVID. But I think that there was already a delay because they wanted to be pretty much perfected before they get that out there to the public. And, and rightfully so. I mean, there was a release of something like that too early, like Google Glass. And because of that, it just wasn't accepted by the public. It was too costly. There wasn't a direct correlation to how we're going to use that technology in our daily lives. There wasn't enough developers building for that content. And I think now we're not at that place. We have a lot of augmented reality development that's already taken place that is literally just waiting for those glasses. And I think that's the exciting part that once that is finally released, the floodgates are going to open. That has been something that I've been really anticipating when those wearables really become purposeful for our lives. You know, wearing glasses is something that many of us already do. But when you talk about wearing the glasses and having access to information so easily, but enhancing our experiences and our opportunities in the future, those things are going to come seamless in our lives. They're going to be in our real world. They're not going to disconnect us from the real world. And I almost feel like it's so much better to just have my eyes on the real world seeing some information as I need it, instead of having my face looking down at a mobile device for the information that I need. I just think it's a lot more relevant and necessary to have that kind of technology available in that way. So I'm, I'm excited. I think that VR has been something that's always been incredible and impactful, but I just don't see a future of all of us walking around with a big bulky headset that disconnects us from the world. I think that's, that's going to be short short spans of that, but to do that for the longevity, but glasses, I think are going to be different. I think that's going to be something we're going to be able to have available to us, like our phones, you know, there's pros and cons to that too. But I think that ultimately that, that is the direction we're headed. Gosh, Jamie, I so appreciate when we get a chance to chat. I love all the neat things that you're invested in and forward thinking you are. And I'm really grateful that you take the time to share out with everyone on these topics because uh, it's fascinating and it's exciting uh, to think about. Like you said, enhancements that's going to bring to, to the learning. And I love that you're consistently keeping that at the forefront of our conversation here. So uh, to close things out, I always like to give a little bit of space. Is there any parting message uh, or what have we not talked about that you'd like to talk about to, to bring this to a close? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, going back and checking out 31 days, I feel like there's a lot of good content that's happening from this event. Every time I do it, I do it a little bit different this time, of course, doing the video, I feel like is helpful because it's just little snippets of ways that you can apply this kind of technology or something that may be beneficial for your classroom. So I would highly recommend checking that out 31 days of ARVR and EDU. You can find it on my website at arvrandedu.com. And I mean, really, there's just so much out there, so many great people to connect with. If you use the hashtag ARVR and EDU, there's so many incredible people that I really am thankful and grateful to be connected to, but they're sharing out some really cool things. I think that we need to be all working together as a community to support one another. Everybody has a different interest and enthusiasm in going into this technology, but I think everybody collectively brings such a uh, variety to users or people of interest or our students 
And I think that being connected is really just important to be able to move forward. Well, and I'm so grateful for your leadership and all that and bringing us together under hashtags and the 31 days here in March and this podcast, right? So I'm really grateful that uh, you're helping us all get organized and have these conversations. So uh, Jamie, until we get a chance to chat again, friend, appreciate it. Thank you so much. 